What's going on, everybody? This is your host, BJ Parker, and this is the Making the Turn Podcast. What's going on, everybody? Welcome into another episode of Making the Turn. I am your host, BJ Parker, and I appreciate you joining me wherever you're listening. Thank you. I appreciate it. All the love we've been getting, it's been great. And I'm uh, just really looking forward to getting into this episode. I'm with a guy that uh, I've known for a long time. Um, I actually hired him, but uh, he's been in the business for a long time here at Brentwood Country Club. And uh, you're probably going to hear a lot of things about this guy. He's not just an equipment manager, he's a jack of all trades and he's in, um, just got a lot of skill, a lot of talent in our industry. Many of you people might not even know, but I'm sitting today with Ryan Erickson, head equipment manager at Brentwood Country Club. How you doing, buddy? Doing good. Well, thank you for doing this, man. I appreciate it. Not a problem. Looked forward to it. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, it's, uh, I don't get to, I sit down with a lot of guys in our industry and especially superintendents. That's kind of given me the doorway to this. It's been a lot of fun. But uh, I'm really excited about talking about this topic because I think it's, I've said this, I may have said this to you in passing, but um, as a superintendent, I find that the equipment manager is probably the second most important person at the, at the uh, facility. And I say that in all, in all sincerity because, I mean, that equipment is vital to keep running. Yeah. And so I'm excited about hearing your um, take on that, some of the things you do. And so, I mean, I'm really excited about doing this, yep. so I appreciate it. You know, um, so there may not be a lot of people that know about you or have heard you or, or spent a lot of time. So I want to dive into sort of your background and, and where you came from, how you ended up in business in the first place, and, you know, and just sort of, you know, start from there. So talk about, you know, your life and sort of how you got started. And, um, you know, I know a lot about it. And so I'll, I'll interject if we need to, but just, just tell me a little bit about you as a person and how you got to uh, Brentwood country club and your sort of your path in this business. Yeah. Well, um, born and raised in Ludington, Michigan. Um, it's a little beach town on Lake Michigan. Yeah. And, uh, grew up my, uh, my parents were loggers. Um, we had sawmills um, from the time I remember, you know, 12 and up, I was working in the woods. Yeah. Yeah, that was, uh, that's what you did. Yeah. And in the summer, it wasn't a choice of what your summertime job was. It was, I'm stacking lumber in the sawmill. So, you know, it was tough work, but um, I learned a lot. Um, I loved it. Yeah. Um, it, it was definitely in my blood. Um, after high school, I went to uh, just community college, um, West Shore Community College in Ludington, and just kind of studied your basic stuff because I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. Right. And uh, so being in the sawmill business wasn't something you uh, wanted to. It was, um, but I wanted to explore other options too. I didn't want that to be my only option. Sure. Um, but knowing that it was our family business, it was kind of known that it was going to be my job to take over the sawmills at some point. Um, but, um, you know, I guess it was 98. Um, I just, 
I was looking for something to do. I was working in the oil field at the time. Oh, up man. in Michigan, <laughs> and uh, I knew I didn't want to do that. Yeah. <laughs> so um, that's probably one of the hardest jobs I've ever done. But yeah. I learned a lot. Um, I've always run heavy equipment, um, and working in the oil field, it's there's a lot of components that have to work together, and stuff's always breaking down. So yeah. I've just I've always been the type since I was a little kid to tear stuff apart, you know, try to put it back together. Sure. And um, so that was a, a good job to learn a lot more about what my capabilities were as far as tearing down motors, stuff like that. Um, and we worked for the state of Michigan um, and we basically plugged oil wells that were um, old wells drilled in the 1800s, stuff like that. So we'd have to fill them with concrete nice, and all that. Yeah. So it was a lot that went into it. Right. But 98, um, I decided I wanted to move to Nashville. Um, Brad was the assistant at Richland Country Club, my brother. Um, I knew nothing about golf course stuff. You know, I just, I wanted to do something different. I mm -hmm. wanted to be closer to Nashville, so I was a, uh, into music, played guitar, sang. So I thought, well, I'll give it a shot. Yeah. Um, ended up working for Brian Whitehair, that was the equipment manager at Richland. And uh, he taught me the ropes of everything. Mm -hmm. um, Brian was a, he was a great teacher. Um, it's, it's no question that he's the reason that I got into this. Right. So. Um, I stayed at Richland there from 98 till um, about 99, I guess. And my parents offered me um, a job back in Michigan at the sawmill um, to be their head lumber inspector. To do that, I had to go to school, and the only place in the world to do that is in Memphis, Tennessee. So I went to Memphis. Um, did all the training to become a lumber inspector and got all that done with, moved back up to Michigan, um, graded lumber, ran head saws, you know, did all the stuff in the sawmill that go into um, like furniture grade sure. lumber, cherry, hardwood, um, or hard maple, stuff like that. Um, but in 2001, when, uh, Bill Clinton signed North American Free Trade Agreement. Being in Michigan, being that close to Canada, um, we had just sunk around $4 million into uh, a resaw system in our sawmill, which was a double-edged sword. Yeah. Um, we all of a sudden had to pay double the amount for timber, and lumber went through the basement. So my parents had the difficult decision that they just couldn't do it anymore. So um, they shut down in the winter of uh, 2002, I guess it was. And um, I um, went to another sawmill for a little while and worked there and I just, it wasn't the same. Yeah. Um, kind of lost my passion for it. So uh, I worked for a construction company for about another year, um, running heavy equipment, excavators, stuff like that on right. a pipe crew. 
and um, got laid off the following winter because it was a horrible winter in Michigan. Um, and I had a little boy at the time um, that uh, you've got to <laughs> you got to pay for, sure, so sure. you got to raise them. So um, the option was available to become the mechanic at Richland, um, and it was a full-time job. It was more money than I was making in Michigan, so I made the move down here and uh, took over that position in 2003. Yeah. So I've been uh, doing that ever since. I was at Richland for 10 years. Um, Took a short stint at West Haven for a little while, and mm -hmm. then uh, I was really looking to get back out of it. And then got a call from a guy sitting across the table from me, yeah. and uh, didn't look back. Um, that was the best move for me. I was actually looking to get back in the oil field, um, possibly up in North Dakota at the time, and uh, I didn't really want to <laughs> do that. <laughs> yeah. But the money is, uh, you know, it's hard to pass up sometimes sure. um, for anybody with experience in that. So, but I'm glad I didn't. I'm glad I took this job. <laughs> yeah. Well, I fought really hard. I, I think you know a lot about the process, but I, I felt it was one of the most important hires, not only for me, selfishly, to have uh, one of the better, if not the best mechanic in our area and, and that I know of, but... Um, you know, for Brentwood Country Club because we were trending in the right direction. We were, there was a lot of things that were that were going great, but we we just lacked that consistency in the equipment management side. And so, I did everything I could to get you know to make sure that we made that happen. So I'm I'm happy that it's worked out for you. I'm happy that you're happy here. And man, I'm telling you what, they've got a great one for as long as you want to do it. Yeah. And uh, you know. I want to talk a little bit about the uniqueness of you and your brother because Brad is the superintendent here. He was the superintendent at Richland. Talk a little bit about that relationship and how that's sort of, you know, been a, a good thing for you. Maybe it's a bad thing sometimes, but how working with your brother and he being the superintendent side and you being the equipment manager side. Talk a little bit about that. Um, well, I'm not as easygoing as Brad. I, uh, oh, come on. I mean, you know. <laughs> It's an, I think it's the mechanic side of everybody. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, Brad does a job I don't want to do. I do a job he doesn't want to do. Yeah. But Brad and I have always been very, very close. Sure. Always. Um, even as little, little kids, you know. He's six years older than me, but it was never that, you know, big brother beating up on little brother. Right. You know, it's, he always looked after me, and, you know, I, I respect him. And we're best friends because yeah. of it. You know, it's that's just how we were raised is you take care of each other. So, um, yeah, I, I would never want to be in his position. I yeah. just I don't want to deal with all the the politics. Sure. That's And you know that that's oh, the yeah. biggest part of that job. Um, sometimes it's it's hard for me to watch, you know, when you were in that position, um, it's just hard to watch, you know, the, the stress yeah. that that job brings. And it, it trickles down to everybody. Right. You know, it's, uh, you know, we take a lot of pride in our jobs. Mm -hmm. That's, I think, probably one of the biggest reasons people get into this industry. 
you take a lot of pride into it. You know, it's not the easiest job, not the hardest job, but there's a lot of details that go into everything that happens on a golf course every day. Sure. And if all those pieces of the puzzle don't fit together, then, you know, one thing can go set everything into, you know, right. downward spiral quickly. Yeah. So um, he and I work together closely. We talk about a lot of stuff. But yep. honestly, um, I've always had a closer relationship, working relationship with assistants. Mm -hmm. just, just so we have that separation Right. Um, you know, I'd, I've I've had a lot more talks, candid talks with Blake McDowell, his first assistant here, and and Jason Swindell, second assistant, and uh, we just kind of work through stuff. Yeah. You know, it's the everyday things that Brad doesn't have to deal with. You know, if he's got a meeting or something, look, we can take care of it. Yeah. You know. Um, I to cut stuff like that that Brad's involved with, yeah. We, you know, spraying stuff like that. Sure. Um, but I like to be involved in what's going on. Um, I'm not the type of guy that likes to sit in the shop all day. Yeah. You know, if I've got to grind or set up mowers or fix something, absolutely. Yeah. But in the mornings, I like to get out, take prism gauge out, check cut on greens, yeah. mowers, fairway mowers, stuff like that. Um, it's just that's where pride really comes into it. There's no other job that I've worked that you can set up a mower, go outside, and see your work. Sure. You know, it's immediate. And um, that's, that's what keeps coming, yeah. bringing me back. Yeah. You know, it's, wow. I did a good job on something. Look at that. Yeah. You know, it's, um, and that's, I think, what it is for everybody right. in this industry. Um, it's, it boils down to one word, it's pride. Sure. So. So talk a little bit about you, because you, in your introduction and sort of telling everybody about yourself, you've done a lot of different things. Yeah. And, and I've witnessed you do a lot of different things in my, in, in our relationship, not only just from a mechanic standpoint, but so, what are some of the things that allowed you to become really good at equipment management? I mean, have you taken some classes? Have you been able to do some continuing education in that regard? I know there's a lot of information available uh, for you, but talk a little bit about some of the things that have been instrumental and sort of help. It may be people in general, too, but, yeah. like, talk a little bit about who's kind of influenced you and what's influenced you is to, like, hone those skills because equipment keeps changing, uh, you know, everything you know how it's set up what what you got to do different manufacturers so talk a little bit about that um what i mean two very key people my grandfather um he started nash forest products um a long long time ago um as far as grinding as a little boy um we had chippers that would take a whole tree and you turn them into fuel chips or paper sure um so every day when he would get done out in the woods, he'd come home and he had a shop set up at his house uh, with a grinder and he'd have to grind all the chip, chip blades for the chippers. And uh, didn't matter if he got home at eight o'clock or if it was 10 o'clock, it was, he was gonna do that so it was ready for the next day. And so as a little boy, I remember 
sitting out in a shop watching them do that, learning how to, what all the angles were and all yeah. that stuff, um, why it was important to have sharp blades, mm -hmm. you know, a uh, little foreshadowing there. Um, sure. But also my, my stepdad, um, he's, uh, he's been a big influence on probably more my, my work ethic side of it. Right. There was not a day that if you don't feel good, suck it up, get through it. Yeah. And um, he was tough to work for sometimes. Um, he's the type of guy that would chew you out at the sawmill one day if, you know, a, uh, a blade was missing on the head saw and it left chatter marks in the log, you know, he'd chew you up and down <laughs> and then sit across from me at the dinner table and say, how was your day? Yeah. <laughs> you, know, it's, you know how it went. Oh, yeah, you know. I'm, I'm about ready to reach across this table and smack you. Yeah. But no, he, he's always been um, big in my life. Yeah. Um, kind of took me under his wing and when I needed, you know, to, to learn a lot, he gave me no option. So um, as far as the mechanic side of stuff, um, you know, working in, in the woods and oil field, if something breaks, you fix it. Yeah. And I guess I was just never afraid to tear into something. Right. Because somebody put it together, it can be taken apart and put back together again. Right. Um, now, I've messed up a lot of stuff, <laughs> but that's, that's the only way you're going to learn. I was getting ready to say that. It's really the only way you learn. Yeah. And, yeah, I've, I'll continue to make mistakes, yeah. but you learn from that. And, you know, I, I've tried to teach some guys coming up, and some guys just aren't built for this job. Yeah. You've, you've got to have the mindset of, I might make a mistake, and that's okay, um, but I want to learn what I did wrong so I don't do it again. Right. And that's what I see in kids coming up is they're timid about jumping in and doing something wrong. Right. Um, and I've been fortunate to work for places that allow me to make mistakes. Um, you know, that's... That's part of it. Um, but I have done continuing education. Um, I've gone to Toro Factory School, John Deere Factory School, Jacobson Factory sure. School. Um, yeah, I've, um, last two years, I was helping the GCSA kind of write their tests for the um, equipment manager certification. Um, now, are you, are you in, are you a, Equipment manager yeah, certified I, by the GCSA. Yeah. Good. So um, I'm, I haven't taken the test yet. Right. I just was helping write right. them. <laughs> but I am. But in they the, have a classification of yes. equipment. You're, are you a. I'm not yet. Not yet. Okay. Not yet. Is there, I, what, so what's the process like for that? Um, you have to go through different diagnostics. Um, there's hydraulic, electric. Okay. Um, real grinding, stuff like that. Sure. Um, it's great information. Yep. Um, for me, I've taking the time to do it right now. I've got a little boy at home, so that takes up a lot of time. But Understood. my plan is to absolutely do yeah. it. I think it's a great program and um it'll and so you you helped sort of develop that with Shalia, yeah. you said? Yeah. We yeah. just we had a uh you know a, a round table 
discussion and we would do a lot of uh, over the phone chats with you know other equipment managers from around all over the place yeah um, that we would have to we'd have to uh, basically write up a question write up wrong answers the right answer explanations why um, so it, it took a lot of time just to do one simple question sure. just you know on hydraulics or something yeah. um, but you know as I'm not going to say that I'm self-taught on a yeah. lot of this stuff, but I've just had to figure it out, a lot of it. Yeah. So, well, um, my, thing, my thing is, and, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but we have such a, I mean, you have to have some background in generalization of engines and how things are put together, right? But it's such a specialized market in terms of what you're taking care of. You're, it's not like a car. You can't, I mean, they make a car or a truck. It's the same that, that year. I mean, it's, you know, so you can, you can learn little things, but it's the same no matter which one you're looking at. And it's the same, but it's, there's a lot of different things. There's hydraulic hoses. There's electric motors. There's reels. There's, uh, you know, all this different stuff, belts that are just unique to that particular. So although the components and the parts might, the, the terminology might be the same. It's a very specialized when you come to how you got to take care of it. Because not only do you got to make it run and make it run right, some of it's so specialized that you're cutting grass at such a short, you know, height that any little thing off and, and you got an issue, right? Oh, yeah. And so that's where I think you guys are very specialized when it comes to um, taking care of a particular piece of equipment because it's not just something anybody can do. So there's a lot of things you're taking what you've already learned and applying it, and then how to make how to do it to a particular piece of equipment that's unique to our industry. Yeah, well, and that that comes back to <laughs> probably the most misunderstood guy in the shop is the mechanic yeah. because you know a, a college kid or a high school kid coming in and they set the reels down and forget to turn them off, and they're on concrete or you know in a gravel parking lot, you know. It, Who's going to light you up? The mechanic is. Right. <laughs> and that's, you know, that's something that it goes into training with kids and trying to teach them. But it's, I mean, I don't want just any kid jumping on a piece of equipment. Right. I want them to run it safely. But I also understand, hey, if something happens, what do you do? Yeah. You know, if you, if you see hydraulic leak, what do I do with it? Um, and I, that's, I think this is important, and I don't, I don't want to... I don't want to miss this. What type of training in, do you guys do, or, do, or do, you, do you have a specific procedure for how you go about that, especially with new hires, guys that have been here uh, a long time? You've got to rely on them to kind of know this stuff. But what do you do from your standpoint? I've seen some of the things in the past, but what is it that you're doing currently now with uh, you know, new equipment and whatnot? Um, as far as personnel um, with new guys, you have to test them first. Yeah. You have to see if they're even, how they handle just, you know, driving a cart out to a bunker to rake it or, you know, weed eat, how they take care of things. Yeah. Um, before they can make that next step. Right. You know, it's, it's a learning curve for them, but for me to just say, hey, we're going to throw you on a fairway mower today, uh-uh. <laughs> That's not happening. Right. You need to work up to those things um, and build that trust with us that A, you're capable of doing it and B, 
you know what to do when something bad happens. Because we all know if something bad's gonna something happen. bad's gonna happen, <laughs> yep. no matter what. Yep. So, um, you know, the training part of it is, I like to either Blake or I will go out with the guys, kind of show them what to do in the shop, just a basic rundown. Yep. Go out in the field with them and try to let them figure it out on their own. Um, not be too hands-on with them, but right. you know, you, you have to with some things. Um, if if we can go to a nursery or a practice area first, for sure. <laughs> yeah, we don't go straight to number one. You're right. Um, but yeah, it's it's harder and harder to to keep good help in this position because um, you know it. We yeah. we work holidays, we work weekends. It's oh. hot out. You know, it, it's harder and harder to find people that want to do this job and that take pride in it. Right. So, yeah, it's, that's been our biggest, and I'm, I know we're not the only ones in that boat. Yeah, I mean, I think you're speaking to the masses, but most people aren't hearing this. I mean, they're, you know, they're not hearing it. They're maybe hearing it from a superintendent who's got 9,000 things he's doing. He's running all over. You know, you've got a specific task that you've got to make sure that the equipment's going. Yeah. Because guess what's happening if the superintendent goes out to number one green and you know, something's messed up. He's calling you oh, or, yeah. or, the, or the assistant, you know. So, yeah. I mean, that's important. And, and I think it's – I think – I probably didn't do a real good job. I've learned over the years that, that training is not something that you did. It's something that you do. I mean, yeah. you know, you got to constantly – I learned that from, you know, just constantly listening to mentors and podcasts. And, and you know, I think that you finally – it finally hits home that training is the – the single thing that gets that drives the engine and makes everything work and yeah and if that's not done properly then then all hell breaks loose eventually and you got you know you you're you're basically doing the right way if it's not sitting down which in this business is hard to do unless you catch a rainy day or winter is to sit people down and watch tape put them through you know software programs or testing it's it's a lot of on the job you know on the fly type stuff so and i think that's good you know start them basic work their way up especially yeah. if it's somebody that shows some potential you want to you know this is a specialized business to walk mow or you know ride mow greens or fairway something that's a little bit more than just my, you know cutting grass so yeah and I think that's I think it's big you know and part of it is I like to get out and mow too yeah um you know I I like to jump on a fairway mower not all the time because I need to be in the shop but there's never a time that if Blake if we're ever short-handed, I'll jump on it and go. Sure. Um, this spring we were really short-handed. Um, I think our crews now we, we have 18 guys, um, 12 full-time. Um, but to do everything, we we did some bunker renovation this year, yeah. and you know it's once grass starts greening up, it, it's go time. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I like to run every piece of equipment here. So I know that when a guy tells me something's going on with it, yep. I can kind of get to it a little faster. Right. I know what he's talking about. Um, and I think some of the older guys in the industry that don't get out, they're kind of missing the boat a little bit on some of that. That, um, And it's no knock against them, but yeah. for me, I just I want to be involved with so I know what the fairway mowers are at, who's on what mower. Um, so if I see an issue, I'm not chasing 
four fairway mowers around. I'm chasing one. Right. I know which one it was. We can fix the problem quickly, yeah. you know, go on. Because, um, you know, we've got a 7.30 tee time, and it's a single, <laughs> you know. And that's, yeah. if everything isn't working properly, if it, if it slows down that bus, it's right. hard to get it back going. So um, we try to stay on top of all that stuff yeah. as much as possible. So. Well, talk about your typical day. What do you do as far as, um, you know, once the guys are out and about, do you, you have a specific agenda or you try to make sure everything's running right and, and address any issues at that point? Or? Um, typically, um, you know, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, we'll mow fairways, tees. Um, I like to go out and check everything kind of while it's mowing, halfway through at sure. the end, see what it looks like. I'll come back to the shop, maybe check some mowers for the following day. Um, typically, if I've got one mower that's, I know I need to grind it, um, you know, I'll come back, get started on that, start grinding so it's ready for the next day. Um, I, I know this is a hot topic, but I don't back lap. Um, yeah. We'll get into that, all that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, service and equipment, stuff like that. I try to have somewhat of a set schedule, but as yeah. you know, we get thrown curveballs all the time. So Mother Nature is a yeah. big component of that. Yeah, so yeah. I just I kind of go with how the day leads itself. Yeah, um, go from there. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I I would like to say this is my plan every day. Right. It never ever works out that way. Right. So you got to shift gears and prioritize stuff and go from there. Um, but we try to do a lot of stuff in the winter, go through everything right. um, in our downtime and, um, you know, fix as it's needed and try to just maintain as much as we can. So Now, yeah. you don't have an assistant mechanic or no. you, do you, you don't have anybody part-time that helps you or anything like that? No. Now, I don't know if that's typical for every club, but, uh, you know, we're, you're a, we're a pretty good size con, uh, private club here in uh, South Nashville, Brentwood yeah. area, and um, I mean, you know, is that something that is maybe down the road or not something you're open to, or what? What are your feelings on having an assistant mechanic? Because you, because how many pieces of equipment do you have right now? I mean, um, our lease is right about a million dollars, but um, you've got probably what thirty pieces of equipment, including yeah. carts and all. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, that's a lot for one person. Yeah, it is. Um, I did have uh, a guy that was helping me for a little while. Yeah. Just he would mow during the day, you know, in the mornings, and then um, in the afternoon come back and kind of help me check mowers, do stuff like that. Um, I started teaching him how to grind, um, so he got into that. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, he found a, another job managing a, a farm, so lost him. Yeah, that <laughs> happens. But it's it's hard. Right now, I'm not actively looking. Right. Um, unless it was somebody that's already in the industry that kind of understands what all goes into this. But right. in the heat of the summer, to try to train somebody, it's. I'd rather just do it myself at yeah. this point. And you know, if I've got to work a few more hours, I will. But um, knock on wood. Yeah. Everything's going good. So. Well, and, and in y'all's case, to to your defense or benefit you have uh 
a lease that's recurring pretty much every three or four years. Yeah. You can correct me on what the, the, the length of time, but you're not running into the biggest of issues. No. And a lot of things may be under warranty and different stuff like that. So you're, yeah. you're just doing the high-level stuff, the real grinding, the, the oil changing and all that. And yeah. then if there's a major issue, you might even bring in the manufacturer or something. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, what I see with that is as membership expectation goes up, our expectation has to match that. Yeah. And Does with, that ever really happen? No, never. <laughs> I've always said nobody can match my, my expectation. No. I don't know who, what, but, I mean, I, I get what you're saying there. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, but if you, if, you know, the membership we work for has a level of expectation, yeah. we can't have equipment that's broken down all the time. No, that, and that's a challenge. It is. And <laughs> when I first started at Richland, we had awful equipment. Yeah. It was old. Um, I can, I have nightmares still to this day of hearing a national 84 coming into the shop. <laughs> that's it's an just, old one. Ugh, it was the most God awful piece of equipment I ever built. Yeah. But. Um, no, I'm, I'm very, very fortunate. We're on a four-year lease with uh, most everything here. Uh, we do own, you know, a tractor, some of our, two of our sprayers, we own those, sure. airifiers, um, implements, yeah. some of that stuff we own, but most everything else is leased. Yeah. So. And do you think that's a good, I, I, I have an opinion on it, but I want to get yours as far as leasing versus owning and some of the things you would lease versus what you would specifically own. Talk a little bit about, about that. Um, to me, um, crucial pieces that are going out every day. Now, if, if you're working for a club that says, hey, we're going to have a capital expense every year, we're going right. to buy X amount of equipment. Depends on how year. your business is set up right. a lot of times. yeah. And, you know, a lot of places just don't have – that money to come out of pocket every year. Yeah. So having a lease on at least your fairway mowers, um, greens mowers, maybe not walking greens mowers, um, I would probably own those. Yeah. Because um, they're very simple. Not much can go wrong with them. Um, but the talk has come up a few times at different clubs now. Um, you know, when when is that machine done? Sure. When is it junk? Well, you can go back to those same people that are asking, say, how old's your car? You know, it, is it 25 years old? Is yep. it 10 years old? When do you feel like it's time for an upgrade? Because you said it earlier, in this industry, technology is increasing at a rapid pace. Sure. And now we've got computers on mowers. We've got tier four stuff. Um, and that's something in my line of work that I have to keep up with. Yep. If something goes wrong with that kind of stuff, it's not just down for a little while. Yeah. It could be a couple of days. And then it's getting the dealer in here and having that service that you need. Mm -hmm. um, having a lease, that, that brings that service. I don't care if it's Jake, John Deere, Toro, but having that much equipment that they know that they're getting back with the potential of getting more business back. Sure. They're going to be on their toes oh, with yeah. you. Um, but if it, you know, if it were me, I would own sprayers, I would own airifiers, tractors, but rough mowers, fairway mowers, T mowers, stuff like yeah. that. 
um, you start looking at the cost of replacing just reels and say you got four fairway mowers like we do, you want to replace reels in that after the fifth year, or fourth year, or third year, whatever it is, yeah. that is a huge cost. Yeah. And unless you space that out, you know, that's, that's a big hit to a budget. Yeah. So, you know, our, my maintenance budget is around 18,000. So, um, a lot of that is because we lease. Um, we don't really see big mechanical breakdowns and, yeah. and failures. Um, so that does factor in, all right, yeah. our lease might be a little more, but the cost of maintaining that piece it's of a lot equipment less. is a lot less. Yeah. And I'm sure, like we did, and you and Brad probably do, if there's a major, something major you want to do, that's sort of either built into a capital expense or, you know, something in a, another line item budget. Right, you know? right. Yeah. Yeah, if we can, and honestly, this club's been very good. If we had a, a major breakdown of something, we might have to ask for it. Sure. But there's never been a time that it's, now just leave it parked in the shop. Yeah. You know, it's. And most clubs understand that there's oh, yeah. going to be that catastrophic failure of something yeah. at some point that, hey, we weren't planning for this. Right. And we can't just have it sitting in the shop. Yeah. So um, I feel very lucky that this club's in that position that, you know, yeah. if, if I need to go above and beyond my budget, nine times out of ten, they're going to allow it. So, Yeah, I, you know, I think about the content that I'm creating and, and, and I, and I, I'd be remiss to, to not recognize some of the guys who are not in the positions like the Brentwood country clubs. And the, I talk to a lot of people that are, that everybody's, you know, man, man these guys got it made. And I'm yeah. like, what, what can you speak a little bit about, you know, you talked about having some equipment maybe at Richland and in your prior that, you know, Hey, what are you doing with equipment that may be less than desirable and then trying to keep it going. Cause I know I, I help with a facility here in Bellevue and in Nashville that, you know, the equipment's not that great, but we keep it going. We bring in people to kind of, you know, get it going along and do it the best we can. But, you know, if we, if, if, if you can talk about maybe getting to a point where, you know, using equipment or talking about the little guy that may not have that and some of the things you've seen over time, or you may even know some guys that are just, you know, that's all they can do. They can't afford a lease. They can buy equipment once in a, you know, only if it, it's necessary. I mean, that, there's not a lot of, there's not a lot of these guys that, that, that may be listening that say, man, I mean, what, what can I do? What are some options for me? And I think leasing, you know, looking at some of the equipment they got, bringing in guys like yourself to just, you know, you know, evaluate things, maybe, a, maybe an option. You yeah. Know? Um, I would say a lot of the stuff that is coming off lease has relatively low hours on it. Sure. And if it is coming out of a, a private club like ourselves or, you know, uh, name them around town that yeah. most places lease. Anywhere, really. I mean, yeah. You're, you're going to get, I think, a quality piece of equipment that yep. a lot of times, like all of our equipment is, we have a maintenance log of everything that's done to it. Right. Um, and that's a big shake to the next person that's going to buy it that they can see everything that's been done to it right all the maintenance records um and you might pay a little more for it but i think a piece like that is going to last people a lot longer than you know something they yeah. find on craigslist or <laughs> that yeah. and that that's my goal is if somebody's listening that's probably kind of in a, a spot where they're at a course and they're like i don't know what to do Reach out to your local uh, equipment dealer, distributor, and say, hey, 
who's got a lease coming up? Yeah. Maybe I'm interested in a piece of equipment that's coming off because you guys do a great job. Other, other big clubs, no matter here in the Nashville area or anywhere, they're typically doing what you guys are doing with equipment and taking care of them. And if it's coming off a lease, it's a better option than just to, you know, go buy one off the street somewhere. And, yeah. And it can be vouched for guys like yourself that are taking care of it. They can call you and say, hey, you know, what have you done? What, you know, and, and I think that's a huge option for guys that they may not even know yeah. about, you know. Yeah. So. Yeah, you're not just buying it. We're not a used car lot, yeah. you know. So yeah. it's – we know what every piece of equipment is doing, guys in my position. Um, we know the troubles that we've had with sure. it. And you might want to talk to an equipment manager or tech yeah. at another club and say, hey, what have you seen? I'm looking at this piece of equipment. What have you seen? What's good? What's bad? You know? Yep. Um, my phone's always on. Sure. You know, I, I always, if anybody ever needed help, I'm going to try and help you yeah. as much as I can. Um, and I talk with a lot of local mechanics here in the area and, Hey, have you seen this? Have you seen this? Yeah. What are you doing to fix it? You yeah. know, cut issue, whatever it is. Um, we have a very, as you know, the tennis middle Tennessee area is very close knit. Yeah. And that's one thing I like about the business too. It's, uh, you don't feel like you're on an Island, Yeah. you know, by yourself. It's, I got a guy up the road I can call. And if my grinder's on the fritz or vice versa, yeah, yeah, come down and use mine. It's no no problem. Sure. Um, because we're not in competition with each other. We want yeah. we don't want to ever see anybody else fail. Right. It's we want everybody to step up and you know make it the best they can. Yep. It's yeah. It's a it's a good community yep. that we're in. I think. That's been a common theme with the people that I've spoken to, and, and no matter if they're salespeople or equipment managers or superintendents or sports turf or whatever, this industry is unique in that way. You know, we're not looking for to stomp on the next guy. We're looking to help in any way we possibly can. I still try to help. I still try to do things. Uh, you know, I'm hoping that getting the word out to people and, and just getting to know other guys through this podcast or other ways has been helpful, but our industry is very unique in that way in that we're – you know, always down for the little guy, always looking to help somebody if they can. Uh, if, if, you know, even if it's somebody like, you know, you guys have something that goes wrong or you need a piece of equipment, there's just people willing to help. Yeah. And you guys vice versa. So I think that's um, something that's very unique to us. Yeah. And it's big time, you know. And, and, and you don't find that everywhere else. Because no. we, are, we are competitors in one way, in that we compete for golfers. It's a limited pool. Um, but – we don't want to be the the guy down the street fails his, his greens fail or you know something bad happens to him to take their golfers. That's not that's not what we're about. Right. It's about just you know hey providing a good product let people decide for themselves and, yep. and everybody's sort of in cahoots about that. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I'm gonna we're gonna go a little bit more uh, down uh, the road of getting specifics, but so um, talk a little bit about um, how much you're involved in equipment selection. Uh, you've got leases that I know you've been at least a part of two or three that I was with, and then, you know, maybe even more now. So, and with technology changing and all that, I want to talk a little bit specifically about the major manufacturers, how you're involved with when, when it comes time to look at a new piece of equipment and some of the things you like and don't like necessarily about, you know, what you might see or, you know, what might make you a choice over another. Yeah. So, um, luckily I have been involved. Um, yeah. 
I think, you know, personally, um, having the equipment manager involved with lease is key. He's the guy that's going to be working on it. Yeah, let me, let me just step. I'm a superintendent. I'm not an equipment expert. I know what it needs to be done. And, and I took this position with you, and I've taken it, taken it my whole career. I, I can know what I like, and I can, you know, want the specific um, pr products and, and have, the, ha have that all project, uh, projected out on the golf course. I know what that, I need to do there. But I may not know exactly the best equipment or that uh, item that's going to do that. And so I always leaned on you and guys that were in that position to say, hey, what do you think? Yeah. Because I want to know what's important from your perspective. Because I may be missing something. Well, so. it's, it's another set of eyes yep. on stuff, too. Um, and it's, you know, the superintendent and equipment manager, mechanic, whatever you want to call them, and the assistants, we're all married. Sure. The, the amount of time that we spend with each other, we got to have yin and yang. Yep. There's got to be give and take with everything that we do. And with equipment, we need input. Yep. You know, a different set of eyes might see a different way of doing something. Um, I know that when you and I were looking at the first lease when I started here, um, we had the, the John Deere 8000 series, um, fairway mowers. And Toro had just come out with the 3550 um, 80-inch mower. Yep. And this is a unique property. It floods a lot. It's wet. And we need to be able to go out and mow when it's wet. Um, you and I were both a little leery of it at first because it was a brand-new traction unit. Yep. Um, but what I looked at is the traction unit is exactly the same as a Groundsmaster 3500 or a Real Master 3100. It's been around for a long time. Yeah, I had full confidence that it was going to be a good traction unit. Um, but we did our homework. We compared the Jake 1880, the the John Deere again, and the Toro, and realized that it was so light that we could now mow up around the greens with it. Yeah, that cuts out an extra machine. That allows us to get an extra greens mower or tea mower. Um, looking at stuff like that, you've got to be able to change things in your, your arsenal yeah. of equipment and make it a little more simple sometimes. Um, at the end of the day, we're cutting grass. Yeah, That's all we're doing. Um, how we do it and how efficiently we do it, that makes the big difference. So for me, being involved in all that and being able to talk through that stuff, yeah. I know it comes down to financial, a lot of it. You know, the, the sheer cost of this compared to this, you know, you've got to make adjustments sometimes. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, having an equipment manager being involved with that, I think, is a key, yeah. key part of it. I, I do... I do wholeheartedly believe that I think I think a lot of times you guys can see things that we wouldn't see I mean yeah you know one rough mower may be 20 or 30 thousand dollars more than the other one they and on the surface you got to explain well they'll do the same thing but yeah but one's built a little bit differently or you know there's a lot that may go into that the reason why it's a, that much difference and so the superintendent's char charged with selling that part of it but they'll they'll lean on you to 
you know, and I, I know I would a lot to say, hey, how can I justify this from the standpoint of, you know, okay, they do the same thing, but why, am I, why, why do we want to go with this one? Is it that much more superior? Is there things that you see that may not, you know, we may be spending a little bit more down the road because it may not be made as, as, as good as you'd hope. Right. So there's just things like that that you have to think about. And, and the superintendent, if you just look at price, you're just, you, may, you may get into something that costs you more in the long run. Yeah, and that's, you know, the, the biggest thing I've seen from Richland days up to now is, you know, biggest cost in a lot of cases are the rough mowers. Yeah. And I'm a huge fan. I'm, I'll make no qualms about it. I'm a huge fan of the Toro 4500. Trust me, they've, they've heard that before. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I just, yeah. the thing is built like a tank. Yeah. And what it costs to maintain it, other machines that we've run, whether it's orange or green, yeah. it, it just, there's no comparison to yeah. it. Um, you know, and once you start putting that into a package, now all of a sudden you've got a lot of money tied up. If you're like us, we've got two 4,500s. That's a lot of money yeah. tied up into just that. And now you've got to put fairway mowers on it, yep. um, utility vehicles, all this other stuff. Well, the days of shopping around, you know, the more that you buy from one company, the bigger kickbacks they're going to knock off on the price. Yeah. And there are just sometimes, yeah, we might want this piece or this piece from a different manufacturer, but that's where you've got to really be able to talk to your equipment manager about, all right, we might be able to do this. What do you think is the most important right. for our operation? What do you see? Because we have X amount to spend. Yeah. And maybe that's where you've got to, you've got to cut back on something. But if you don't have that input and you just, all right, we're getting all this color, yeah. whatever. Um, you know, you, that guy, the, the technician's got to put his hands on that machine yeah. all, all the time. Yeah. So he should know what's going on, you know, with, with that equipment yeah. and what the faults of it are and what he wants to deal with. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and I've talked specifically about some, you know, things that, and, and me and you may have had conversations about it, but, you know, I intermingled some lease packages. Like I was, yeah. I was, I was pretty adamant that I thought that the John Deere 2500 E uh, green, uh, you know, triplex mowers did a fabulous job at the time for what we needed to produce. Yeah. And so, but you know, we made a bit, you know, so we got some things from the John Deere and then we got some things from Toro. And so we, you know, that's a, that's a little bit tricky too, because, you know, like you said, that price, when you're looking at a lease, you may get, but if there's something that you absolutely want, but then you want something from another, you got to kind of get creative and, yeah. and whether the budget allows it or not. And, and you were okay with that decision because at the time, I don't think there was a lot of, you know, that was at, at that moment doing what we wanted it to do. And we, and you know, Brentwood's unique and every place is different. So, you know, some people have, but you know, we weren't walk mowing here and, right. and that allowed us to do cleanup laps in a different direction. And, and, uh, you know, the more aggressive cut with, for the champion Bermuda just thought it was the right call at that time. Now I know technology's changed and, you know, you guys may, may have gone away from that, but, um, you know, that was something that you and I did and we was like, okay, well, you know, this is what we'll do. And so that's another unique challenge when it comes to, uh, managing equipment is, is 
across multiple distributors and multiple, you know, companies is, is uh, trying to manage that within a lease package or buying them or whatever. So, yeah. you know, yeah. And, that, and I thought that was, you know, that's, that's something that some people, you know, they hear, well, I got to go with this, you know, sometimes distributors say, well, if I lose this, I'm going to lose everything. And, you know, and some people are, some people don't, you know, and just depends. Yeah. You know, and at the time, John Deere was the only one that had the reversible groomers right. on it. And that was a big thing. That was a yeah. big thing. Yeah. Um, now, I think all manufacturers have it. Um, Toro, you can change yeah. forward or reverse on it. Um, and they were big in uh, Rodney Lingle with yeah. the brushes, too. Shout out, um, Rodney. Yeah, shout out. Um, but they were the only ones that allowed those brushes on there. Right. Um, so... You know, again, going back with technology now, five, six years down the road, now other people have had to step up their game. And that's great about this the business that we're in is that, you know, Toro might make this great one year. Three years down the road, John Deere makes this piece of equipment that everybody's got to have, yeah. or Jake, whoever it is. Um, it keeps the manufacturers in competition. Sure. And it makes it better on us. Yeah. Um, we're all getting the benefits of a better quality piece of equipment down the road because, right. you know, if if somebody's got a gripe about a piece of equipment and then 10 more people do and 10 more, yeah. you know, that trickle-down effect gets through our community fast. Yeah. And either they need to fix it or you're buying something new. Right. So. Now, how much do you feel like service plays into some of that that you – um, because I hear this a lot and, mm -hmm. uh, and being, having stepped back a little bit, I can say this with a little bit more, you know, certainty that I hear guys say, well, service is the biggest, biggest part of it, M you know, more so than maybe, um, what the equipment actually is. And, and, and I know the distributors know that. I know that that becomes a sticking point a lot of times, but talk a little bit about that part of it for you, because, you know, being as in a high profile club you're going to need, you know, when you got a million dollars worth of equipment sitting out there, you need that service. Oh yeah. 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 And if you don't have it now, all of a sudden you're looking for a different right person to go through. Right. Um, yeah. It, I think all three of them, Jake Toro and, and John Deere are all pretty strong around here. Yeah. Um, I know that all of them are having problems finding technicians too. Yeah. And with that, your service, you know, goes down. Um, that's just part of our industry right now. Yeah. To find, I'm not going to call myself young, but I'm on the younger side of technicians, um, 42. But a lot of the guys are nearing that retirement age that are in the business. Right. And there's just, from what I see, not a lot of new upcoming guys doing this job. Yeah. And that's scary um, for a lot of superintendents. Now, with the GCSA getting more involved with the, you know, testing and all that, that's great. But you've got to find guys that are willing to do it. And, you know, getting, getting back to the service part, the more and more equipment you've got out there and less guys take care of it, your service goes down fast. Sure. So starting to find those guys, whether it's out of a auto diesel school or whatever it is around Nashville, we have one, but 
to compare our pay to uh, <laughs> a car dealership, you know, it's yeah, tough. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, you're you're sort of a curb buster. I won't yeah. deny that. But but there but it, I don't think every superintendent, and I'm not calling out names. I'm just saying in general. I just don't think they value. Maybe they do. I shouldn't say it, but I mean, I mean, I'll go back to what I originally said. Outside of the superintendent, the equipment manager, in my opinion, is the highest, you know, valued employee. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and that's not a knock against assistants. That they, it's just a matter of you either manage personnel or you manage equipment. And the superintendent necessarily can't do both. He can, that can be his job to kind of blanket cover everything, but he needs that equipment manager to know what he's doing, get it, you know, I project the, the, the message of what we want to do across what we're, what's happening. And then, the, you know, I, I want to kind of forget about it, you know, and, and, you know, like you said, things happen. I mean, it happens on the personnel side as much as it does the equipment, but, um, you know, that equipment manager is vital to the operation. And, and so uh, it's, it is a little on the scary side that guys are, um, you know, what's the, what's the pipeline for this business? Cause you know, obviously that's a, a specific, you know, role in, the, in a club. And are they being, are there guys out there, you know, there are there like assistants that are coming up that want to be superintendents? I don't know. And, I, and yeah. I'm afraid that I, you may be right, that there's probably a dwindling uh, group of guys. Yeah. And that's, gals. and that's where, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's where service does kick in. Um, because, you know, if I got sick, yeah. you know, for two weeks, whatever it is, just want to go on vacation. Um, there's really nobody to check. That's a big stuff. deal. You know, Brad can kind of fiddle his way through checking a mower, Blake. Yeah. Um, but while I'm on vacation, I'm worried yeah. <laughs> that, that about what I'm going to come back to. Sure. Um, so to have, I think moving forward, it's important for any assistant listening to this it's important while you're down in the winter while it's a little bit slow or a rain day take some time and learn how to set up mowers what it's all about yeah why ask those questions of why do you have the groomers set here you know um learn how to grind because that's going to be key for those assistants down the road moving into a job where you might go into a, a place where they don't have the money. Yep. Um, and there aren't more and more superintendents jobs. You know, it's no. it's very thin. Yeah. And you know, unfortunately that's the downward spiral with golf right now yeah. is it's it's a tough business. Yeah. But maybe taking an equipment manager's job, you you're gonna get a little bump in pay at at some places. Um, but till you till you find that next job. Yeah. But it just gives you a feather in your cap of something else that you can do. Yeah. That the next guy might not be able to. Well, I um, think that's great advice because, you know, as assistants and the competition for our the jobs become more you gotta stand out. Yeah. And if you if I if I was looking at two assistants and one of them was proficient in, you know, setting up mowers and, you know, he already had this skill set and the other guy didn't or gal, um, you know, that would be a huge, that would be a huge thing, especially if I needed that, you know, if, if that fit a role for say when someone was absent or whatnot. And I think that's a great, 
um, you know, advice for guys who are coming up in this business. Learn what you can. Learn everything that you can. If you're not spraying, go figure out, you know, learn all the techniques about spraying, and, you know, maybe one day you'll, you'll move into that role. And so the more guys you can have spraying, the better off you are. The more yeah. people you have that can take care of equipment. You know, whether it's just fixing weed eaters and blowers or something, you know, find something. Yeah. Because you're, you know, you and may be. don't be, be afraid may, to make mistakes. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> ask. You know, that's what YouTube's for. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, just um, try to figure it out because I've had to, uh, in the roles that I've been now, I'm, I mean, we don't have an on-site mechanic and, you know, we, big stuff, we kind of bring in guys that I've known in the industry and, and they help out. But, you know, yeah, I've had to adjust reels, back lap, do all kinds of different things that I haven't had to do in the past. And, you know, learning that's sort of giving me a little leg up on yeah. some things, you know. Absolutely. And so I think it's good. And, um, you know, I, I don't know what the, the future of what you, what you do as far as what's going on in the pipeline. I know that golf courses, they're not building them, uh, you know, not building an astronomical amount anymore. The jobs are dwindling. Uh, it's getting more competitive. Um, and, but your role as an equipment manager is by far as, as important as any of them. And, and, you know, hopefully there's guys that are learning it and yeah. you know, taking advantage of the GCSA and their qualification and, uh, you know, We'll see. Yeah. You know? I, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I would think that at some point you would look to, you know, gravitate towards getting an assistant for you, someone who wants to learn it, you know, because I don't suspect you want to do it forever. No, <laughs> no, that's definitely not. Yeah. And it's – I like to teach yeah. new guys that are eager to do it. Yeah. Um, to try and pull somebody off the crew, yeah, that's tough. Yeah. Um, when we have a list of jobs we've got to get done every day. Yeah. Um, but those rain days, you know, I'd, I'd say if you've got an AIT or somebody that's yep. a spray tech, irrigation tech, somebody like that, that wants to learn that stuff, try to teach them. Yeah. Because it can only help you. For sure. Down the road. Um, it's always nice to have backup for, I mean, that's why superintendents have, assistance oh yeah and you've got to have a backup you guys have to take a break you've got to be able to get away and shut shut things off yep um and it's hard when you're the only guy yeah um there is a lot of stress you know on on me yeah just and i put it there um it's not because brad's on me or blake's on me you know it's I put it on myself because I want things to be better. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's just part of it, I guess. But Well, that's always what I've known about you is you take a lot of pride in it. You, you're, you know, you've never been one that's kind of gotten aggravated about things that have, that, had, you know, have happened. You just kind of deal with them. Uh, I think that's a great quality. It probably took a, probably took a lot of time. That took some learning yeah, too. It took some learning. <laughs> I know, I know, for a fact that it, it can be difficult at times, you know, I, you know, just dealing with some of the things you got to deal with and the individuals and the differences. I mean, that's no fun for an equipment manager. Uh, but I think you've turned a corner as far as that goes. And, and, you know, I know that's, there's a love hate relationship a lot of times with superintendents and, and equipment managers. And, oh, yeah. and that relationship has to be, it doesn't have to, they don't have to be buddies, but they gotta, you know, they gotta coexist and, 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 you know, you working with your brother, but we worked together for a while. And I, and I thought that was a, uh, an outstanding relationship yeah. and part of the reason why we were successful here. So, yep. I mean, you know, I, I think that's important. 
Yeah, I like I like to be involved with. Yeah. Hey, let's go check out a mower. I want to drop height or yeah. whatever it may be. I like to go out and see what's going on with it and talk yeah. about it. Um, you know, just so everybody knows what's involved, what yeah. the process is. Um, I like to know all that stuff, and I like to be involved in yeah. it. Um, I'm not a guy that just sets the mower up and there it's ready. Right. Um, you know, I, I like to see it firsthand and what's going on and what the vision is. Yep. Um, and that's, yeah, I like to run heavy equipment. I like to get out on the golf course and do projects sure. when I can. Yeah. Um, you know, this right now would be tough for me to do that stuff, but I'll do it. Yeah. You know, it's, I like to do rock features with, you know, stack and rock and tee boxes, stuff like that. Yeah, I want. I wanted to get into that, and, and we'll close because I mean, believe it or not, it's it's been over an hour. But um, and and I and I I know your time's valuable, but so I want to end with a couple of things. I want the I want your perspective on what you feel like top dressing, your your view of, from an equipment manager about top dressing, and then I also want to talk a little bit about your your. Um, highly skilled at, a, at uh, heavy equipment and some of the things that I've seen you do and what you enjoy doing and talking about some of the things that you've done with that because it, I, when I said that you were a jack of all trades, I truly meant it. You do way more and you're skilled in way more things than just taking care of equipment. And I don't think anybody that, that doesn't know you uh, would find that you, you're great at being an equipment manager, but you might be even better at building bunkers and tees and rock formations and stuff that I've seen. I'm like, you got talent. And it was part of the reason, the justification of why I would pay you whatever you wanted to be paid. Yeah. So talk a little bit about those things, top dressing first, and then I'll let you go here. We'll wrap it up. Top dressing. Because um, this, this is the great oh, yeah. superintendent mechanic this, debate. It is. Um, and everybody waited an hour to hear this. <laughs> <laughs> it is a... It's a love-hate. Yep. Um, I know it is 100% necessary. Yep. I'll tell you this. One of the biggest reasons that we changed manufacturers of greens mowers, um, we have the Toro um, Triflexes now. They have, um, and I'm sure John Deere has this now too, but they have a hardened bed knife. And um, because I don't backlap, um, I grind more, yeah. but one of the best things anybody came out with is this new um, nickel boron, I think it is, uh, grinding stone for your bed knife grinder. And um, before that, I hated those bed knives because they would load up the stone, took forever to grind, couldn't yeah. get a great grind on it. Now, it's in and out fast. Um, I can grind a triplex and... 45 minutes, something like that. Real bed knife, yeah. parallel everything, done. Um, now you have the express duels, right? Yeah, express duel. Yeah. Um, I, I just know it's a necessary thing to do. Yep. I see the benefit of it on champion greens that we have here. Um, I know coming up next week after airification, it's, I'm going to pay hell for everything I'm saying because we're going to be chewing yeah. up nothing but sand but I'm in that business yeah so um, I'm not against it I'm all for we we verticut 
and top dress every Monday. Yep. Um, usually my plan, if I do have a plan I stick to, is um, we water it in on Mondays after it dries. Tuesday we usually roll. Wednesday we'll mow. Yeah. Whatever that mower was that went out, I'll grind it Thursday or Friday, depending on what's going on. Right. Um, but we use two greens mowers. We're, we have that luxury. Sure. Um, so the following day, the freshly ground one won't go out. The next one will go out. If we are picking up sand still, I might beat that one up yep. one more time, grind it also. Um, but most play is on the weekends. And if we were top dressing on a Thursday or a Friday, it, that'd be tough. Yeah. <laughs> but trying to do it first of the week gives me time to prepare for it. Yeah. But with these hardened bed knives, um, I'm not having to grind every week with those, even top dressing. But I think the key is watering it in good after it dries in the afternoon, Monday afternoon. Tuesday, just rolling, kind of gets it down in there and then mowing the next day. And we're using brushes on both the greens mowers. We got away from the uh, groomers yeah. um, just because we were, we'd see a little more damage from a groomer. Yeah. And our thought is verticutting them a little, not too aggressive, but every week yeah. uh, with real tight spacing gives us the same effect. And then brush, using the brushes in front of the reel yeah. um, on both the mowers gives us uh, a little better option of not worrying about if we're going to rip up turf on a cleanup lap or sure. something. So, um, you know, it, that's just been a learning curve yeah. there. But, um, no, I'd, I'm not against top dressing. <laughs> it's, it's just part of the job, yeah. you know. It, it is what it is. Yeah, I think you're handling it. I mean, that's sort of a standard procedure for guys and a, and a feeling. I just – I wanted to cover the topic because I, I know from – you can't be against it. I mean, it's a necessary evil, especially when you're dealing with ultra dwarfs. But, I mean, even if you got bent grass, you're still doing it different times of the year. And, and it's important. And, you know, how you manage that and sort of approach it is important. And you guys do it about the best way you can is to alternate mowers, you know, grind as, you know, as much as you can afterwards. I know you're using a high-quality sand, too. That's always important. Oh, yeah. We didn't that's, talk about that. That's huge. But, you know, you got to use a fresh, clean, fine sand. Uh, you may use a little bit different if you're after your top dress and a right. little coarser. But, um, you know, hey, that's all, all that's important. And, and, you know, I just wanted to get, you know, brush over that topic because <laughs> yeah. I get a lot of people, you know, I, I know there will be people that will be interested in it just yeah. from a from not every mechanic's going to, you know, feel the same way. No, there, that's definitely <laughs> But, you know, hey, each his own. But, you know, to a guy that's been around it for a long time, I think it's important you kind of cover you, how you handle it and yeah. move on, you know. Yep. So, we'll talk a little bit about, you know, some of the things that I, I touch with the heavy equipment, you know, even here, some of the things you've done. I know I know we've built some uh, rock, uh, done some rock formations, some stacked rock wall. I've seen you do some bunker work, a um, lot of, you know, green teas and things like that. So that's sort of a passion of yours, too, that you enjoy doing outside of, um, you know, being a mechanic. Yeah, I love it. Um, yeah. That, other than this job, that would be my true passion. Yeah. I, I love running equipment. Um, started at a young age. I mean, 12 years old. Um, probably shouldn't say this. Oh, 
<laughs> to the public, but my stepdad used to send me in a pickup truck. It's okay. It's a yeah, statute of limitations. That's good. Yeah, yeah, I'm old now. Yeah. Um, he'd send me in a pickup truck with a fuel tank, and because we had a logging company also, we had a, a machine called a forwarder, and it was basically a bunk on the back end of a big tractor with a boom and jaws that would pick up logs, yeah. go out in the woods, pick those up, take them back to the landing, we called it, where you'd load trucks up. So I'd have to do that 12, 13 years old. And I loved it. Yeah. I was out by myself. If I made a mistake, I made a mistake. Nobody else saw me. Sure. <laughs> so, um, again, just I was never afraid of getting on a piece of equipment. Yeah. And I wanted to be the best at it. That's that was my whole objective. It was a competition for me. Yeah. With the older guys that were running equipment. Oh, how many loads did you get done last night? Right. Yeah. Whatever it was, but I. I just, whether it's a bulldozer, front end loader, you know, skid steer, big excavator, I love running it all. Yeah. And that's, I found my niche when we had our uh, renovation at Richland, um, where I could bring that talent to the table. Um, we redid a bunch of tee boxes, um, rock lines in front of some greens, stuff like that. So. I got to do a lot of that stuff there. A lot of, I mean, ripping down trees and um, rock lining creeks, stuff yep. like that, putting in more drainage. Um, here, uh, projects we did together, some of the rock walls and stuff we did, built uh, a green right next to the driving range tee just that the members were asking for, so we sure. just did it. Um, yeah, I just... I like doing that stuff. Yeah. Well, you're great at it. Um, you bring a lot more value with it, with that skill set, and I, I found it to be – I knew some of it, but even more so the value to which I was happy to be able to bring you on paid for itself, you know, moreover. We went through a project together, which we, we were able to – to um, you know, do things that we would have had to pay. You know, we did in house. That, you know, may have had to go outside and contract it out. So, I mean, it, it, it's a it's a testament to you that you you bring a lot of things to the table, and that's that's huge not only for our industry but what you do. Value to Brad here at Brentwood, the membership. I hope that that they continue to value that and see that in you. And, and it's great to sit down and talk to you about some of those things. I mean, this, we could talk for hours. This content is, yeah. we didn't even dive down any rabbit holes about, you know, controversies and different things yeah. like that, that I would love to. And maybe that's a follow-up that we do sometime down the road. I mean, I, I think that uh, I wanted to get a perspective from uh, equipment manager side. I wanted, I want that voice to be heard and, and I really appreciated you taking the time. I know your time's valuable to sit down and chat with me and, and uh, being as a friend, you know, I, I've always looked up to you as, as what you do. And, and I know it's important to the operation and best of luck with everything that you do here and uh, continued success. Yeah, I appreciate it. And as a new dad, congrats. Is it new? I mean, relatively new? Yeah, yeah. nine and a half months. Nine and a half months. So he's yeah. a new dad also. So throw that on top of everything else yeah. you got to do. Yeah. Because uh, you've got an older son and, and a, a new newborn. Yep, so, got an 18-year-old and a nine-and-a-half-month-old. Yep. So. Well, congrats to that, man. Thank you. I know that keep, that outside of work, that keeps you busy. Yeah, yep. I, I never have a dull moment, yep. that's for sure. So are, are you on any social media of any kind, or do you stay off of it, or what? I, I am 
I'm on it a little yeah. on Facebook. You're just a um, watcher? Yeah, basically. <laughs> Reader? Yeah, I'm on yeah. it for the uh, marketplace, basically. Yeah. <laughs> no, but, yeah. Uh, I, I started a Twitter account a while back, but I'm, I just don't really get into it that yeah. much. Well, um, give it out. I'll tag it, and, and when we post the, when I post it, and it'll, it'll at least maybe give you a few more followers and somebody would be interested in it. But give that out if you want to to the people. I'd have to look it up. Okay, well, we'll find it. That's all right. That's all right. No problem. Well, again, man, thank you very much. Uh, thanks to Brad and everybody for letting me take over the break room and yeah. talking. And I, it was a great fun catching up. And, and uh, again, best of wishes to everything. And, uh, you know, I uh, want to give a shout-out to everybody that's listening. I, I, I hope you found this content uh, exciting. Uh, I know it's uh, – it's something that we haven't covered here on the podcast, but I, I think it's important that for our industry that we highlight guys like Ryan here, and, and it was really enjoyable talking to him about the equipment side of the business. So I appreciate you listening. Go check us out on uh, iTunes. I think we're available everywhere now pretty much. I even got iHeartRadio this past week, so it's good. So Making the Turn podcast, I'm your host, B.J. Parker, and until next time, I'll talk to you soon.